show here on Disrupt the Media. It is going to be each and every week. It is Unlocked with Brock Heward from Fox. He is there in Denver. I'm Lance Taylor here in the uh, Disrupt Studios from the next round. We uh looking forward to this, man. I mean, we've had you on as a regular guest now for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And we met you at SEC Media Days. Not only do I, I, I love your love for college football, but also the West Coast. We can talk Pac-12 in its final year. We can talk NFL. So I'm excited about this. It'll be fun. Lance, I think in my memory, you'll see there's some areas it's incredibly sharp. I mean, just brilliant photographic. And then other areas, I'm just as dumb and dense as a rock. So you're, you're going to notice that over our, our time here. But I tend to believe, and I was watching the Manziel documentary, and how sweet is this? My, my girls were home. They're up at Montana now. They're both college basketball players up in Missoula. But they were home uh, for a few weeks this summer. And my oldest was like, hey, Dad, I'd really like to watch the Manziel documentary as a family. Can we, can we really make time tonight after dinner? And I'm like, bless your heart. You know, part of me is like, that's awesome. Part of me is like, wow. Football's. No, that is awesome. <laughs> the, the notebook, no. We want to watch yeah. a Manziel documentary. That's right. So we all hunkered down and watched. And I think we may have met at that SEC media day where Johnny was just booted out of the Manning camp. <laughs> Got some background on that. Don't know if I could share all of that publicly. But that was part of this documentary. I'm like, oh, we were right there. I'm on set with Pollock, a test tour. Like, oh, I remember that day like it was yesterday and how much hoopla. And I'm pretty sure that was some of our first introductions with Jim and Ryan and you and, and everything that you all were doing down there and still doing in Birmingham. But that did bring me back to, uh, I think, our initial connection way back when. Yeah, and I told you my initial connection. This will be the third time I've told it, so I won't tell it again. But I'm sitting in India's of North America in Tuscaloosa at the university. And uh, I was a freshman. And you did a piece for USA Today. They were profiling you because you were one of the, I don't know, you might have been the number one pro-style quarterback coming out, but you were up there. Your brother Damon was already established. And you would just do a piece on life and just what it was like to be a highly recruited uh, senior in high school. And I enjoyed reading that piece. And then it just came full circle when we finally met and we started having you on the show. So, again, Super excited about Unlocked, but uh, we go way back, although you didn't know it. I mean, 30-plus years. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Culver, man, my English teacher, rest in peace. He'd, I'd give him the copy. He'd clean it up. And I, long before anything in social media, golly, I don't even know, email wasn't around. So he had to fax that back to USA Today back east. And bless his heart, he'd, he'd make my stuff try to look good. And, yeah, I, I bump into people still to this day. We've talked about this on the next round. To this day, I'll bump into people like you. They're like, oh, yeah, man, I, m I remember reading about your high school girlfriend and recruiting and your homecoming dance and homecoming king and all that fun stuff almost well, 30 years ago. Yeah, that was back before the accessibility and everybody could find out whatever they want about everybody. So the old newspaper back in the day, this is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. We're going to do this each and every week. So excited about that. And it's brought to you by our friends at My Bookie. Remember to get started, go to mybookie.ag now, register for an account for free. When you're ready to make that first deposit, just use the promo code next round, grab that welcome bonus. It is on the house again, mybookie.ag. So before I get to the first thing I was going to throw at you, um, back to Manzel. If Manzel was a guy that was completely driven by football and consumed nothing but, but football, would he have been successful in the NFL? Today's NFL, yeah. 
I think you'd have a, a shot in today's NFL where we're seeing more speed, more spacing, more of the concepts that he brought to life with, with Kevin and, and their version of the air raid with Cliff and everything else. Yeah, I, I think that there would be a place. Could he be a bona fide franchise quarterback week in and week out? I don't know. I'll tell you, too, about that SEC media days. It was one of, uh, gosh, I was a few years into media and into my morning show in Seattle and came back from that, and I think I got into, on one hand, the number of just, not fights, but, I mean, like, testy, uncomfortable, friction, whoa, this isn't great. I, I, <laughs> I'm i not a big confrontation guy, but I got into it off the air with Pete Carroll, and uh, it was it was right after that. And, you know, I'm on set down there, and, of course, I am pretty straight-laced, and I'm, you know, I heard some of the backstory from Peyton, everything that went down there, and, like, you know, I have a belief that, how you carry yourself and how you lead your team and, and how most of the guys at the top of the quarterback food chain as franchise guys lead their team. Oh, and Pete was so mad at me. So we finish up the segment and he is just, you know, ripping into me. Like, who do you think you are? You know, the way you do it, is that the way? I mean, he was giving me the business and, and I had a, I had a little bit more intel behind the scenes of what was going on. I tried to express that to Pete and tried to say, Hey, you know, it's, I'm all for the, the contrarian. And if Johnny wants to wear the black cowboy hat and do that, great. But once it got hot, he would take that hat off and try to, you know, play and put the, the white hat on. And it was just the inconsistencies of it, Lance, that just don't work. And whether it's eighth grade football with my son's team I'm coaching or it's, you know, Peyton at the very top level that I've seen, consistency matters. So even if he had a love, as you said, how, how did you characterize that? If he was all in with football? Yeah, I mean, if he if he just ate, you know, sl uh, sleep and drink football, I mean, it just seemed like football was kind of the last thing for Johnny Manziel. Because he was so good, right? I mean, he was so talented. He, was, he got away with so much at the high school and collegiate level that you get exposed. And I'm a firm believer as I'm getting older. I'm so tired of hearing people say I'm so competitive. I'm so competitive. You know, you're not going to find anybody more competitive than me. I'm the greatest competitor on earth. I, I, I'm like so tired of that because what I, again, life experience at 47, don't tell me you're competitive. Show me your discipline. Show me day in and day out your unbelievable, unrelenting grind to be great by your discipline to do it every single day. When others aren't looking, when others aren't around, you want... I'll flush competitive right down the toilet. Give me discipline. And that's what Johnny never had, right? Certainly at A&M, on into the pros, all of it gets exposed. But the discipline to do it day in and day out, that's what the greatest, really in any field, Lance, in our field of media that I've been around, that the sport of football, business, it's usually those that are the most disciplined, not the quote-unquote most competitive, that are the ones standing in the end. You know, when we met at that SEC um, media days, you had really established quarterbacks that year because you had Manziel, you had A.J. McCarron, you had Zatt and Mettenberger, you had uh, Aaron Murray, guys that went on and played in the NFL. And this year in the SEC, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, you've got mm -hmm. Jaden Daniels coming back and K.J. Jefferson and Will Rogers and some of those guys. But right here in state, the biggest storyline or one of the biggest storylines, not only around here, but nationally in college football is what's going on with Alabama at their quarterback position. Yep. And we know what you're kind of getting with Peyton Thorne. He was really good in 21 for Mel Tucker, and he kind of regressed a little bit last year in 2022. 
but you kind of know what you're getting with Peyton Thorne. But if I ask you this question, Pac-12 quarterbacks that could actually start for the in-school teams where we are right here, Alabama and Auburn. And we obviously know Caleb Williams could start for anybody in college football. So we'll throw him out. Uh, but if we drop down, Michael Penix Jr. obviously would start for both, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go a little further down, Bo Nix almost wasn't starting for Auburn two years ago, which is it, it's extremely strange. But he would be the starting quarterback for both of these teams right now. Yes. Yeah, for sure, Auburn and, and what they will do offensively with you. Alabama – don't know quite as much. Bo, and that's he's going to be. I, I ran into a an NFL GM last year, Oregon, Washington, right? Penix, Bo Nix, and were those guys going to come out of school and be in last year's QB class? And they both decided to return. And and he was really liking the trajectory of Bo. Well, now Dillingham is out, and I think Dillingham was a huge part of that. That system was so friendly to his skill set. Hughes would be the same for Bo. Don't know quite about Alabama. Okay. And, and Bo will have to prove some of that this year. I think they're going to keep a lot of the same things they did in Eugene and make him comfortable. But I would answer without a doubt, yes, down on the plains. Tuscaloosa? I don't know. That's that's a little different little different system. Well, I don't uh, think we've got a 100% cam rising right now. I don't think he's going to play this week against Florida. At least it doesn't seem like that. But with a 100% cam rising, he would. does he start for both? He would. That dude's so tough. Hey, he's competitive. Such competitive, my friend. Just elevate. He is. I didn't say competitive. I said he's so freaking (laughs) tough, and he elevates every. You're not going to hear. And if you hear me say competitive, I'll call you out. Yeah, you call me out immediately. Uh, Jane Dolores kind of fun down in Arizona. Yep. You know he. Yeah, Fish has done a good job with that program. I mean, they're they're watchable at least. He is. Yep. For sure. Now my Trojans went out and plucked Dorian Singer away from him, which and he's good, man. Yeah, he is. All their receivers are good. My brother is a receiver coach at SC, and you know he doesn't like to talk a lot. And certainly, Lincoln keeps things very close to the vest. But he told me this summer, he's like, "Bro, this little freshman, this dude is insane." He popped and, off the screen. Like I know you've got access to the Pac-12 network, which, uh, and I've told this story a couple of times this week. It cost me like five hundred dollars Saturday night to watch the Trojans wow. because I had to you had to download two different apps, and I paid for both, and I finally got to watch it. But that dude pops off the screen. His field vision, uh, the explosion. Obviously, he gets faster as he goes. I mean, it's, he won a hundred meters, a two hundred meters, a triple jump. Guy's a fantastic athlete. People were talking about his size. Doesn't matter. I remember Chris Fowler saying this one time. We were doing an Oregon spring game, and this was after, right after DeAnthony Thomas left. And he's like, "Bro, Black Mamba." DeAnthony was the one guy that when you call a game, you get used to calling games. You're up in the booth. You get used to, I think, a, a lot of times like baseball managers when they watch, you know, pitchers and strike zones and every little thing that they're looking for. And and as a quarterback, you get used to certain guys and coverage. And, okay, he can't get to this, right? You, He's not – even if he takes a great angle, he's not going to get there. Chris said that DeAnthony just busted his optics. It was a kickoff return to Rose Bowl. He's like, I've never – I've never seen anything on a football field move like that guy moved. Reggie was right there, obviously, Reggie Bush, and you already heard. Nobody wanted to say it. And Yogi was like, Yogi Roth on the broadcast, like, I know if I say this, it's gonna everyone's gonna, it's the first game out. But just the way that that youngster ate up ate up field 
You're not supposed to be able to do that. I mean, it's just totally, totally different. So it's totally sidetracked. Get back to it. Jaden Delora, maybe, maybe not. Again, in Hughes' system would be a great fit. I don't think in Tuscaloosa. A healthy Cam Rising, yes. Michael Penix, yes. Caleb Williams, yes. And then kind of that next level down, right? Shadour Sanders and Cam Ward, they would be competing. I mean, their skill set would certainly be in the mix with, with, with Thorne and, and the rest of the cats down there right now in your state. Well, you miss it, mentioned Dillingham now at Arizona State, and he's got Jaden Rashada. And, you know, we, we talked about the Rashada saga with Florida for, for so long and how he was offered millions of dollars, and they pulled back on that. But how good is that kid going to be? Uh, Dillingham's system is as QB-friendly as any. I mean, it, it in you know, we joked, Benetti and I, like, man, I, I, do we get a little commission? Because I don't think anybody pumped up Kenny Dillingham more than Benetti and I in our three broadcasts of Oregon where he was – so good. And, and Lance, you guys would get such a kick. You and, and Jim and Lance would love to travel with us to a few games. You would. You would love to sit in our production meetings. You'd love to sit in our coaches meetings. You would get such a different optics of so much of this. Um, you get such a feel. Sometimes you can get blindsided. Sometimes you got to walk out of those offices and we got to remind ourselves like, hey, you know, like We've been spun, and, and we got to be careful with the motion because it can captivate you too much, too. But Dillingham was, every time in those meetings, whatever you asked him, he had an answer. And it was like that. It's like your, your radio guest you get on or different coaches you get on, and you're like, oh, man, please get to something. You know, like, g- give me something right. like, immediately. So, Kenny, how are you going to attack him? You know, uh, they're playing UCLA. And, I'll, and he just said, you know <laughs> – I'm really looking forward to this. Ken Norton and um, bless his heart, their defensive coordinator that passed away this offseason, battle with cancer. and But both of them came from the NFL. And Kenny's like, they're NFL guys. Like, they don't understand the hash marks, the the tempo, the spacing. They don't adjust. You know, when we go forward to a side or we motion out, like, they're making NFL adjustments in an NCAA game. And I can't wait. And sure enough, Lance, it was boom, 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 boom. I mean, it could have been 900 yards. UCLA had no answers. So Dillingham will give that kid answers. He will go into Rashada that first game and not be so overwhelmed and like, oh, my head's swimming. It's like, nope, they do this, take this. They do this, take this. They do this, take this. Kind of like Hugh Freeze has done over the course of his career as well. You know, red light, green light, yellow light. We're not going to complicate it. He did the same thing with who was that crazy old Miss Cat uh, QB back in the day, Bo? Oh, uh, Bo Wallace. Oh, crazy Bo Wallace, yeah. right? That, that guy is just what a wonderful character crazy bow and you know he was like yeah man red light yellow light green light like just keep it really simple and that bow always beat alabama back yes in the he day. did man that bow he's all boy that's what he said oh that bow that bow is all boy he's it's all boy unlocked <laughs> with fox's brock heward we do this each and every week right here on disrupt the media uh it is brought to you by lanceslock.com again going into year number nine We've only had one losing season last year, 57% in college football, 58% in the NFL, lanceslock.com. Jump on board. We will win for you. So 2.30, Austin, Texas, you're going to be there for the Rice Owls taking on the Texas Longhorns. And it wasn't long ago where Texas figured out a way to lose to Maryland in week one, not once, but back-to-back seasons. The expectation for me for Texas, and people disagree with this, some people do, but if TCU in year one under Sonny Dykes can go to a college football playoff out of the Big 12, right there in state, when you have all these resources, to me, Texas should be college football playoff or bust this year in year three under Sark. Do you agree? 
that that is a high high bar for a program that's not done it and won a big 12 title since 2009 that's a high bar but my goodness gracious when you compare their dudes with every other team's dudes in the league and don't kid yourself now tcu had dudes last year <laughs> right they were they hit the transfer portal kind of like michigan state did the year before with ken walker they hit the transfer portal on you know just perfectly receiver and db and linebackers and dns and and they their strength coach transformed their program lance uh you want to talk about you know the crazy bow and and he's all boy like what they do in that weight room and i sat there and watched some of it i think i had him four times last year including hypnotoad in a hurry one of my favorite moments i will never forget in all my life where they rushed on the field at baylor to keep that streak alive but texas has as many dudes as tcu had dudes last year and yeah, it, you know my whole point though was again if tcu if sonny dykes who really has never had a special season anywhere until he had that last year at tcu if they can do it in year one with these dudes you're talking about out of the portal, I mean, Sark, we're paying him elite money, and this is year three. Yep. Uh, two things. You're a numbers guy, and it's why you've been so successful doing what you're doing. How many 10-win seasons has Sark had in his career as a college coach? At uh, that would be at Washington uh, well, at Texas. Double-digit wins. It'd be zero. That would be zero. Yeah. That, 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 to me, is the first hurdle. Get to double-digit wins this year. College football playoff. Not sure. Bama game week two will be obviously be a signature moment in that. But going to Baylor, going to TCU, they only have to make one other trip out of state after Bama, <laughs> right? They go to Tuscaloosa, and then late in the year, they go to Ames. Outside of that, they don't have to leave the state of Texas, which is an unbelievably positive advantage on wear and tear for guys. They're deeper than they've ever been. They've got more tools in the tool chest than any other team in that conference that they are going to compete with. But you've not done that. You've not gotten to 10 wins. Sonny said this, and Sonny was really humble about this. You know, Sonny's environments at La Tech and at Cal, very different than the commitment and the resources he had at TCU. But you know what TCU had, Lance? Double-digit win seasons. Gary Patterson went 12-0. They, they'd won those games. They took those resources and the Texas kids, and they had had success there. And Sonny knew it. Sonny's smart enough to go, hey, man, if Gary could do it before me, we can do it. Mac Brown did it, you know couple decades ago so it's been done there and it can be done there but sark and that crew have got to have a that same discipline right when i talk about manzel and that discipline and that detail and that grind every single day they've got to prove that to themselves certainly to their fan base and to the lances of the world that believe there's enough talent there to get it done you know last september in austin i i just didn't think going into that alabama game they were even close uh, but without the best quarterback in Alabama history and Bryce Young, Alabama doesn't walk out of there without a win. And watching if Ryan Ewers, Watts, if Ryan Watts, the starting corner for Texas, number six, Ohio State transfer, boundary corner, if Ryan Watts gets home on a Cowboy corner blitz with two minutes to go, he gets home. He's unblocked. He is unblocked on, on the greatest quarterback, as you said, out. He is right in Bryce Young's 180-pound lap. You could not have called a better play, Pete Kwiatkowski, D coordinator. Your 6'3", 200-plus-pound athletic corner has Bryce Young dead to rights on a corner blitz where he's unblocked, and he gets free to him. He tackles him. That's game, that game's over. They win. Game's over. They win. You know, they win. Uh, 
but watching Quinn Ewers early in that game, I was like, dude throws a great ball, very accurate, and he has he's got really good presence for a guy being that young in that atmosphere against a defense like that. Yep. Will we see that type of Quinn Ewers consistently for 12 games this year? Yeah, that that attention to detail, man. He's done it in the offseason. He's trimmed body fat. Uh, if you get a chance, I know there's a lot of good games on this weekend, but if you're kind enough to DVR my game, you're going to see such a cool I, – I just looked at it yesterday. Our, our our production team sent it to me of Quinn Ewers through the years. <laughs> and he's a high school man. He got this, like, bleached he's, – he's funny now. right? He was five-star, highest-rated dude, everything else, but he was a caricature. Then he goes to Ohio State, and he's got the mullet. Then he came back and gained some weight, and he was looked like a hobbit. And now he is lean and mean. <laughs> he's trimmed down. How big he is, is he now? He about, he, they, they say, we'll talk to him on Friday, somewhere around 200. I mean, he's down a good 10, 15 pounds, and he looks lean and strong. And you're right, man. His release is captivating. We had a game with him last year, and, and – we did some slow-mo stuff and, you know, and uh, just last night at the football practice, I was talking to the coaches, like in my era, the, 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 you know, it's like Johnny, you still, like get on top of the ball, you know, thumb between your, 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 your butt cheeks and you just rip that ball down. And that was how you were taught to throw. And these guys today, Mahomes and others, it's all rotational. And Steve Young did a little bit of it. He was kind of across his body. If you think of Steve Young highlights, you've watched, he was kind of the first one rotationally to do what, all of them are doing now and how all these biomechanic QB gurus are training kids. But the flick of his wrist, man, and the amount of spin, you know, they do these spin rates for major league pitchers. They got this young kid out of A&M, Bryce Miller, for the Mariners that is nails. Some 2,600 RPMs on this fastball. Like they can measure every one of those. If they measured the amount of spin and spiral, Quinn Ewers would be top three in the league, top three in college football. I don't know about the NFL. There's still some dudes that can spit it, but he'd be top three in college football. Penix would be up on that list too. I mean, they just generate an unbelievable amount of horsepower. And you're right. That game wasn't too big for him. Separated his shoulder, put on some weight, tried to come back, some ups and downs, finished the year strong. And by all accounts, man, has a level of accountability and attention to discipline and detail that, uh, well, it has him, what, number four in the preseason Heisman odds? I mean, that's that's some lofty territory going into a season in college football. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. We'll get into a lot of different things throughout the season, a lot of different topics. Um, I'm going to inject a little Major League Baseball because I said before the season your Mariners would play in the World Series. Uh, people were laughing midseason. A brutal loss last night as we record this. Um, but, boy, that team – my question to you was, Otani was clear-cut your AL MVP. Yeah. But the way Julio Rodriguez is playing right now, he's got to be in the conversation, right? Yeah, he's second in the American League in war. He's not going to catch Otani's nearly 10. So Otani's going to win it no matter what happens in the final 30 games. But, man, Julio, <laughs> Lance, I don't know. Give me your list, you know, because I don't want this just to be all about my little storytelling. I think it's best, too, if I can somehow try to reciprocate. Give me your list of the three guys that you have interviewed where you sat there and you were just captivated where they sat down next to you. You're like, doggone it. This dude is just, he's, he's got me. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of this was early in my career because I was so mesmerized as being fans 
But Magic Johnson was, you know, one of my biggest idols growing up. I had a one-on-one with him. And obviously, he's a massive dude at 6'9". No telling what Magic <laughs> yes. is now, 260, 270. <laughs> so that was one of those. And obviously, charismatic, the smile, the whole thing. And although we were sitting in the back of a warehouse at a sporting goods store, he still had that personality. Yeah. So he blew me away. John Wooden, just talking to John Wooden, and it was his l- later days. So he was coming up on 100 years old, but he still, you know, he still, the the mind was sharp. And he was an incredible storyteller. He was a no-nonsense guy, but he was a guy that I think everyone respected. So Wooden stood out, and then uh, Vince Vaughn came into town to do some kind of improv (laughs) comedy. And he was telling me he doesn't have a cell phone. Now, this is back in the mid-2000s. But that was when Vince Vaughn was at his heyday with Wedding Crashers and and uh, what else? Wedding Crashers, old school. Yep. So those three really, really jump out. Uh, Barry Switzer drinking one time was incredible. <laughs> um, we've had some memorable, uh, just insane interviews. Yeah. Um, but but those three would jump out to me. We sat with Julio in March at spring training and finished. I don't know. It was almost twenty minute interview. We had our we're the flagship of the Mariners, so we had our table right outside the clubhouse. Just awesome. Spring training is the best. If you're a baseball fan, you, you've got to get to spring training. There's nothing better in it. Yeah, they really yeah. are accessible. It used to be oh. like coaches at media day, which that doesn't exist anymore. Yep. But the baseball players are still so cool during spring training. So cool. And we finish. And my long-term, long-time co-host, Mike Salk, 14 years together, we look at each other on the air. We're like, are you? like?" And Salk's like, are you? like?" I'm like, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't like stop looking at like, his eyes. He's got these piercing emerald green eyes, Lance. And he looks at you and he is not one of these athletes that's looking everywhere but you. He is like in your eyes. Like I, I was swallowed. I couldn't even like move, mesmerized. Like I can't take my eyes. He's looking right in my eyes. I can't take my eyes off of his eyes. And that's just <laughs> his, he is all in. Like he is so charismatic and he's so young. And I hope he never changes. He will. Uh, but I hope he never does because he is so invested. He is so engaging and he is elevating the people around him. Unlike, I mean, maybe Acuna down in your neck of the woods elevates people around him. But as he got hot here in the second half and he's got a little injury and we got to keep an eye on that with a foot that I don't love the sounds of it. So we'll, that will could dramatically impact your your preseason prediction. But yeah, he is as captivating as an athlete, teammate, star loves the fans is captivating a baseball star as we have in the game today yeah I, I know seattle has changed as a city over the last couple of years but the fan base you know they lose the supersonics which was a great organization um and i won't i won't go too long on this but it just popped in my head because i wanted to ask you this early on but seattle fans we always talk about the 12th man for the seahawks yeah. um mariners fans they look like they support Washington, we used to call it the shaky camera game because you'd be watching an ABC 230 Washington game. That camera would start shaking. Seems like a great fan base there. So Seattle overall, that's a really good sports town. It's awesome. Yeah, and they jump in. You could talk about the soccer. It's like soccer capital of the country with the Sounders absolutely off the charts as well. When I was playing in the mid-'90s, the Mariners came alive. Ken Griffey Jr., Jay Buhner, Edgar, right? They made their chase all the way to the playoffs and have never been to a World Series, and there's just a hunger there, man. Like, the Huskies won a national title in 91. The Seahawks won a Super Bowl, right? They've they've been to lots of Rose Bowls. They've been to three Super Bowls. They've never been to a World Series, Lance, and the hunger on a Tuesday night, they had 44,000 people. Roof was closed, horrible, 
just gray, rainy, nasty day. Um, and it's been a beautiful summer, but that was awful. And 44,000 showed. So there is a, there is a starvation to, to like get there. And yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been a blast to watch. So now relocating to Denver, do you, the I'm all MLB experience, you watch every oh, game? Yeah. every game. Good for you. Yeah. My son is all in. I can't uh, stay up that late anymore though. Thankfully we're only one hour mountain time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Greatest yeah time zone for sports, to be honest with you. Central's good. I think mountain might be the best. Eastern's really hard to your point about watching <laughs> when I'm out on the East. Like, uh, I'm going to bed at 10. I'm old, Lance. Like you, I'm old. Get old. Can't stay up till midnight I mean, 1030 anymore. first pitch, those poor people. I mean, sometimes I know the the with the, the pitch clock now, games have shortened up. Yes. But hell, there were games going until no. 2 a.m. back yeah, in the day. It, it doesn't work. So, yeah. nope, I am all in, uh, totally invested. The Seahawks are a tremendous fan base. Um, the Mariners, uh, yeah, the football's taking the hit, and the West Coast is taking the hit. And I'm glad, you know, in our first episode, we don't have to talk about the demise and the debacle. We did it on the next round, what, a week ago or so. And, you know, that level of sadness and that level of just irritation, and it went from pure anger and rage to now, like, deep sadness for Oregon State and Washington State and some of those that have been the most hurt. But the West Coast college football fan and the failed leadership on the West Coast from boards and regents and presidents and Larry Scott has really unfortunately diminished some of those, not some, a lot of those fan bases on the West. Yeah, and we'll get to the Pac-12 here in a second. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. It is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Football season is back. Winning season is at MyBookie. Get started. Go to MyBookie.ag now. Register for an account for free. When you're ready to make that first deposit, use that promo code next round. Grab that welcome bonus. It's on the house from MyBookie.ag. So back to USC, we were talking about Zachariah Branch, who was uh, just unbelievable. But watching that game, I thought for sure with their athletes, they would come out with some of these transfers that have come in, you know, from Mason Cobb to Barry Alexander. And Alex Grinch would make a point, let's do everything we can to completely crush San Jose State's offense, and let's try to pitch a shutout. I thought that they would score around 14 points. But it, it wasn't only the 28 points. It was the 198 rushing, the 198 passing. It looked like the same old defense to me. And then watching offensively, although they've got all these weapons all over the field and they've got the best player in college football in Caleb Williams, the offensive line got beat a lot up front by San Jose State. Mm -hmm. So if I asked you right now, going into this Nevada game, we know they're going to win that regardless of what happens. But bigger concern for USC, is it the offensive line or Alex Grinch's defense? No, I think it is still the defense. Uh, yeah, a lot of faith that they will figure out. A lot of young people and true freshmen playing and, and credit San Jose State. That coach, Brennan's a good coach, man. It was him or DeBoer at Washington, and I'm pretty confident saying that down the stretch when they did all the interviews. And Jen Cohen, now AD at, at USC, and, and he is impressive and puts his guys just irritant. You know, they're just irritants and did a phenomenal job to keep that game interesting to really – midway through the third quarter when you felt the athleticism just wear them down. So, no, O-line, they want to play young people. They're going to figure it out. They have got tremendous scheme there, both run, pass, screen, everything they're going to do. Uh, they'll be just fine. But defensively, I just don't understand. And one of my former teammates, a guy named Nigel Burton, is an analyst there at the Pac-12 Network. And he said it at halftime. He's like, I just – he said it before the game. He's like, with Alex Grinch, just, just simplify the menu. Like you don't need to do all these things. And I always felt like at Oklahoma when I call a lot of his games and he's innovative and Alex is great and he's smart. It's like, come on, man, we don't need to do all of this. And we don't need to run an inverted coverage 
60 seconds before halftime and give them a chance to to get behind us when athletically they should never get behind us. But if you you know weren't thinking and you weren't trying to be doing too much, it wouldn't happen. So yeah, that's the challenge for me. It's just like, golly, just let your athletes be athletes. Just line them up. Just keep it simple. And now you got a few more horses up front. They didn't last year defensively. So I understood moving the chess pieces and having to do a lot and try to win those X's and O's because there were some matchups, well, like Utah, that they could just hammer you if you lined up. But this year, I'd like to see that simplify. I'd like to see less is more with them defensively. And maybe that was, and hopefully, a little bit of a wake-up call for them defensively week one. As I trans- transition into the Pac-12 as a whole, uh, you know, USC is just one of these programs that pe- people don't realize how good Pete Carroll's defense was back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, and this is going to be knee-jerk, but after watching them week one against San Jose State, I just don't think they can go unscathed in that Pac-12 because, to Agreed. me – as the Pac-12 dissolves in its final year, this is one of the best years of Pac-12 talent, at least on paper, going into the season I've ever seen. Yeah, and and quarterbacks are are the the straw that stir the drink that make life difficult on those defenses. And as we talked about earlier, with your question of Pac-12 guys in Alabama playing QB, hey man, they're in their systems, and Cam Ward's in his system, and Pullman flourishing, and Jaden Delores in his system with Jed Fish and Tucson flourishing, and Utah knows what they want to do, and and we'll see with Shadour. I hope he can stay upright. I, I have my real questions of whether. What about he DJ to... uh, under Jonathan Smith? I'm a big Jonathan Smith fan. I am. I know you saw him in Washington when he was the OC there. Yes. And obviously, he goes back to his alma mater. He's yes. doing an incredible job, but I don't know what to expect from DJ. Yeah, I don't either. And until he processes and sees the field, and I, I'm not going to lump him into the group with with some of those others. He's he's in a little bit more of the of the prove it mode to me, to, especially within everything Oregon state loves to do, as you said, in a pretty innovative offensive system. But yeah, I, I want to say Lance that I don't know why this number sticks in my head, but I remember looking at some elite defenses over the years, the Bama, TCU with Gary, other groups. I want to say there was a season, maybe their national title year that SC defensively gave up 9.7 points per game. Yeah, I think you're right. It was single digits. To your point of how unbelievable that that crew, you know, with Palomalu and others were through those years. And it was on the back end. It was at the second level. It was at the D-line level. Like, they had first-rounders, second-rounders, single digits, points per game. Different era, right? Different era of offenses and timing spread. But, and all but people things. don't remember that, no, they man. Don't. You played the glamour position of quarterback, but everybody remembers Leinart and Carson Palmer back in the day. Yeah. And and obviously Reggie Bush, everybody remembers those guys. Nobody remembers but the Matthews and the Mawalagas and the Palomalos right. and the corners and the so yeah, they they had they had difference makers, man, at every single level. SC has a few more of them this year. I would agree with you. Just my eye test. Just let me look at the bodies of these guys, right? I'm gonna look at Texas Saturday now. Whew, they got like 12 dudes on the senior bowl watch list. Alabama's got 10. So Texas got some guys off the bus that are starting to now look the part at the line of scrimmage first and foremost. Jalen Ford at linebacker. They're secondary guys. Like they are in USC and more off the bus this year than they did a year ago defensively. But I was hoping, like you, for a little bit more. And give San Jose State's QB some credit now. Like in these openers, and I don't know how you look at them, Lance, to make the picks that you pick. 
that those dual threat QBs, the ones that can create something out of nothing, not, you know, JT and Tech's going to have a hard time getting out of the pocket and doing stuff. But like that kid from San Jose yeah, State that yeah. can really Javon run. Cordora. The first can time run. I saw him was against Arizona when he was playing for Hawaii. But they, were at, they had a third and 21 first drive. He gets it with his legs. He could run. So yeah. those dual threat QBs that can really run, that have experience, that played the game, when you're looking as maybe big underdogs and big, big numbers, they tend to at times offset it. And he certainly offset some of the structure of USC's defense. You know, there is a reason that that uh, Kyle Whittingham and Utah have won back-to-back Pac-12 championships. And as good as the offense has been with Cam Rising, they're always so good up front defensively. And those defenses yeah. are airtight. And again, I think Utah is going to have a really good defense. We'll see what they do against Florida week one. But if you had to, in, including Utah, USC, you mentioned Penix and Washington and Kalen DeBoer, what a great job he did in year one. Um, obviously, Oregon year two with Dan Lanning coming back with Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. Who is the favorite to win this conference after watching USC? Yeah, I think USC is still the favorite. I mean, the caliber of their athleticism is just different. I mean, they are eight, nine, a wide receiver, different. Where on any play, and Caleb, and I thought, you know, and they even took him out of the game, and kudos to Lincoln. It's like, I don't have to run up and, and have him throw eight touchdowns and 500. Like, he won the Heisman. We're going to take care of him. He's going to be upright for 13 games, hopefully 15 games, then get to playoff and everything else. But their caliber of athleticism offensively is is unique and different to, to their peers in this conference. Oregon's probably next on that athleticism scale, but the line of scrimmage scale, to your point, number one is in Salt Lake City. And if my memory serves me right, they're back-to-back champs. And you better deal with them first. And they got a, a, a young running back that's an absolute hammer. They got no line that is purely violent. They return most of their people defensively. They are going to be, and I'm so, of all the games in the Pac-12, and there's some fun ones, Boise, Washington, that number's about 15. That's worth keeping an eye on because that oh, yeah. Boise QB, that dude, can flat out run green, whatever his name is. He can yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Taylor, we we haven't seen a quarterback like that at Boise. I don't think ever. No, we saw I mean, him in Nevada. Was a stud. Jared Zabransky could run a little bit. Yep. No, he was. He played for the Nevada Wolfpack. It was a second-round pick to the Niners and took him to a Super Bowl. Like, that's his caliber of athleticism, that being, of course, Colin Kaepernick. So that guy can run a little bit. That's intriguing. There's some good ones. But that Florida-Utah one, that's going to be – that's going to be a big for Utah, especially after losing the way they did in the swamp. And as he said, Cam, probably they've been very, uh, and when they're very, uh, it usually means he's not going to play. That my, my experience dealing with Kyle and their their staff and their people. So do the rest of it make up for and compensate? And Florida's going to go, wow, wow, this is Salt Lake now. Like <laughs> this play, the swamp special. Alabama special, LSU special, there's some special places in the SEC. The only one that's special right in the Rocky Mountains and West quite like that right now is Rice-Eccles, and it's going to be electric. Have you been to Rice-Eccles? Oh, uh, yeah, I did a to an SC game there that was, as Jason Benetti, as Jason Benetti said in during the broadcast, which was one of the greatest lines. He had a couple of them last year, Lance, where I sat next to him, and I'm like, gosh, that guy's smart. Yeah, I, oh, I, I love, I mean, oh. you guys are a great team, but he's always been a great play-by-play guy. He said, because they were wearing all black that night, he said, it is as if the night is screaming at us. And I was like, damn, that's really good, Jason. That <laughs> is. is really good. Was that the night that uh, Darnold got his first start? 
No, this just last. Yeah, this was okay. just last season on the two point conversion. Oh yeah, to win it, man. That was that was something. And then we had him obviously in the rematch in the title game. But um, Rice Eccles is Husky Stadium still obviously crown jewel, one of the best. Oregon can really rock SC and you saw it. And I I love the sight of that. Right. I mean, it was it was humming and it was packed and there were 80,000 in there in the Coliseum, which is great. So there could be some amazing venues. But right now, as far as an opponent coming in. Yeah. Rice Eccles has got it humming as much as anybody does, as I said, either in the Rockies or west of the Rocky Mountains. It's unlocked with Brock Hewitt. It's brought to you by my bookie. Use that code next round to secure that first deposit bonus up to one thousand dollars. Again, mybookie.ag. One of the things I love about this show that we're going to do this year is you're a big NFL guy, so we can jump around the NFL. Obviously, we don't have regular season this weekend. It comes up next week, and we kick it off Thursday night. But I wanted to ask you just a couple of NFL things real quick. Mm -hmm. The Jets, I watched the first episode and a half of Hard Knocks. Aaron Rodgers seems like a completely changed from a personality quarterback. Their defense was incredible last year, just terrible quarterback play. They've got some pieces like Dalvin Cook. Garrett Wilson's going to have a bust-out year. Um, where are you on the Jets? I think the biggest key there is going to be all about adversity. I mean, it, you're right. It's if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, if you're Gutenkoos, the GM, you're watching Hard Knocks and you're throwing up. You're like, where, where was this? You know. But unfortunately, like 18 years in a place, there's just too much damage that had been done. So he has been rebirthed. I think there's probably a good conversation, Lance, to be had of. Who has impacted their Q rating, their likability more? Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers? Well, for me, it's Aaron Rodgers. And I hate to say this because I don't know the dude personally. I just didn't like how he carried himself. There was something that was pretentious about him. Sure. Um, It didn't seem like some of these losses when they would be the one seed, losing in Lambeau, it didn't Mm -hmm. seem like it bothered him. And again, I'm not in his head, so it's hard for me to say that, but – and people are blown away on the next round when I talk about he's become kind of a likable guy, and they're like, you've hated this guy for years, yep. but he's completely different. Yep, he is. And it will be, as I said, adversity. To your question of do they turn the corner, they do. They're going to win a lot of games. Are they going to win enough in that division, uh, the most brutal division in in football right now? That'll be a fair question. And anytime you have an older team, you got Randall Cobb and you got Dalvin, and you got these older pieces, you know, what happens to older teams in – November in December in January it's harder for them to bounce back it's harder for them to sustain and and Aaron himself you know does he have a pop of calf late in the year so you know that will be truly like a a long-term play but boy they have a lot of pieces man and Robert Saul has been impressive in hard knocks I think his leadership of knowing who he is and comfortable in his skin and and Brees Hall I think is the biggest x factor because that guy elevated Iowa State I know Brock Purdy did too Brock was right there with him but that you saw a life without Brock Purdy and Brees Hall last year in Ames. <laughs> Very different life. That dude was a monster the first ten, month of the season before he tore that ACL. If he can come back and be any semblance of what he was a year ago, they will. Yeah, I think they will be a playoff team. Well, I mean, you know how quick things crumble. You played in the league, and it's just amazing how different rosters are from one year to the next year. Yep. And again, it's all about turnover margin in the NFL, and every game is down to a possession. So teams will flip from four and 13 to 13 and four. With all that said, we did our Calcutta draft this past Monday night, and I had the second overall pick. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have more of the, there's eight of us. We, we take four NFL teams each, we get 10 college teams. I had the second overall pick in the college draft and the NFL, and you get points. 
and minus points for losses and then bonus points for playoffs and winning the Super Bowl and that kind of stuff. So number two overall, I took the Eagles just because I think the NFC has got an easy path. So KC goes number one off the board. I take the Eagles. But the thing is, it's a snake draft, so I'm going to get picked 31 of 32. So I know I'm going to get just an absolute dud. And believe it or not, the, the guy that picked before me took Tampa Bay at 30. And the Rams fell in my lap at 31. But number 32 was the Arizona Cardinals. No surprise. So a couple of questions here. Yes. And and then we'll wrap up uh, first edition of Unlocked. Kyler Murray starts starts the season on the pup list. So we know he's at least going to be out four weeks. A lot of people think this might be a tank job by the Arizona Cardinals because they ultimately want Caleb Williams. What is the future for Kyler Murray? And then the second part, are the Rams going to be as bad as most people think? No, I'll answer the first one because I'm I, I got background on both those, but uh, I'll answer the second one first. The Rams are not going to be that bad. The Rams feel and smell a little bit to me like Seattle did last year. Everybody thought Seattle. Where did they go in your Calcutta draft last year? Probably uh, 28, 29. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's just bad. Yeah, everything. but you you know because well there goes Russell and there goes Bobby there goes all the talent. But man, they infused it with an amazing you know draft, and that's maybe where they're a little bit different. The draft resources have not been as rich for the Rams. They really went in and gave up so much capital to make the move and ultimately win that world championship and kind of paying the piper now, as Belichick said. But McVeigh's very good. Stafford is still there. As long as he and Cooper Cup are upright, they are not going to be as bad as Arizona and Tampa and some of these others. So, in fact, Aaron Donald, too. And there could be something about when everybody now thinks you suck and you have that level of talent, those three guys in particular – you can really elevate the people around you. So I think that fell in your lap. As far as Kyler goes, he is he's a challenging personality. I mean, he is he really is a baseball player wiring into an NFL franchise quarterback's position. You know, I mean, he's he was a top 10 baseball pick. He was an amazing baseball player. You know, baseball players, they're wired differently than NFL quarterbacks are often wired, right? Do my job. I'm an independent contractor on a team. And I will be curious how he bounces back from the lowest valley of his life. Been a winner, been a winner, been a winner, been a winner, been a draft pick, been a number one pick, been a top 10 pick in baseball, Heisman Trophy winner, even, you know, won a bunch of games with Arizona and and helped turn some of them before injuries and, and falling off the cliff late in the year. But this will be him looking in the mirror and not just for like the short term, Lance. This to me is like a long term for him because he had to absorb a piece of humble pie that he never ever has in his entire being in his entire life and i kind of root for those stories he can be hard sometimes he can be difficult he can be irascible but i root for redemption stories whether it happens in 2023 in arizona probably not but over the long term i do root for those kind of stories so michael jordan took like 15 years off from baseball you've played the sport you've played both Kyler Murray is still young. He's like 25, 26 years old. Do you think if he tapped out on football, do you think he could still develop and play in the bigs? Yeah. Yeah. I think when he, he was that number, good, he was that good. And you just look at him like a second baseman, unbelievable power. I mean, just, I mean, it would take him time, right? And, and certainly there's questions of hitting all the stuff and spin you got to hit in today's baseball, but his quickness and yeah, he would still have a lot of the tools in his tool bag that, um, you know, if refined, 
I don't think he's going to do that. <laughs> uh, I think he wants to prove and, and got probably a bigger chip on his shoulder than he's ever had in his life. Uh, prove that he can still do it between the tackles. But, yeah, that dude was one heck of a baseball player. Okay, 230 Fox, you're going to be in Austin. Uh, Rice, Texas, I know a lot of Alabama fans will probably want to do their pre-scout on yep. Texas as they uh, roll into Tuscaloosa on September 9th. So uh, we'll be watching, man. I'll at least sample it. I want to okay. see Quinn Ewers. I want to see how much improved the defense is. Yep. I think that's all fair if uh, the game goes the way that some in, in Vegas think it's going to go. I think folks will stick around in those hot seats. It's going to be over 100 degrees, man. But I think they'll want to stick around and see whether this Arch Manning guy, yeah, does, does he get in that game in that second half? Is he indeed the second QB? We'll figure all that out and find all that out. But I would have personally a blast with my history there and know him Peyton a little bit. Like That'd be super fun for me if I get to be a part of his first snap in college football if that game goes the way that many think it's going to go. So you're pulling for it. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewer. We do this each and every week on Disrupt the Media. Tell your friends, like, subscribe. It's brought to you by MyBookie. Make sure when you uh, sign up at MyBookie, use that next that code next round. You'll secure that first-time deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's on the house, MyBookie.ag. Safe travels. Stay hydrated. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds great. Thanks, Lance.